Patriarchy Podcast. My name is Lisa. And I'm Jennifer. Welcome, welcome. Welcome. Yeah. I am excited to speak about certain aspects of Brittany. I cannot wait. Yeah. To hear what direction you're going to go with this, because I had assumed you'd wanted to speak about the conservatorship. And I'm not like in full Melania, like, I really don't care, do you mode. That coat was the worst coat. And she knew exactly what she was doing when she was wearing it. Of course she did. She's not going to wear a fucking H&M coat. I don't think it was H&M. It was Zara. Wasn't it? Zara. Well, what, I mean... But for her, don't you feel like both those stores are the same thing? Well, I feel like for you, they're the same thing. <laughs> so what does that say about Wait, you, Melania? am I projecting? <laughs> God, you're such a snob. This brings me back I to am the, not a snob. I'm wearing, skeleton, I'm wearing skeleton pants that are far too short and far too big. It's actually, like, that kind of looks cool now. Because what not it like only old ladies wear skinny jeans and... I'm proud to be an old lady then. Yeah, what were, what were the things? It was like you use that laughing emoji, which whatever. I you wear do. skinny jeans. Yeah, yeah. And, and then what was the third thing? You tell other people you're a cool mom. No, yeah. that wasn't it, was it? No, I have no idea. I don't know. I thought it was something else. Like, oh no, there was like this TikTok video where they said like any 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 woman that wears skinny jeans uses the laughing emoji and like one other thing. It means that they're old. I think that's a very trite way to encapsulate age, but I'm definitely on the old person bus then. So <laughs> love skinny jean. So what I want to talk about with the Britney thing is that I don't want to waste too much time on Justin Timberlake, although I do feel like his apology was a PR stunt and pretty disgusting and absolutely showed um, no remorse whatsoever. It was all just lines that will make him carry on with his own shady ass life for a little bit longer. But what I did want to say was, Jenny, you and I and a couple of our girlfriends have been having conversations back and forth about the about the documentary and about reactions that we've seen from other people about this. And the things that we've spoken about have been pretty compelling. And we've been talking back and forth a lot about how these situation, this situation has made us feel and what it makes us think. So one of the things that it's brought up for me is how asleep at the wheel I have been in the past in my womanhood, right? So we watched these things happen. The whole Britney coming up when she was, you know, 16, 17, 18, that was the same kind of time that we were not quite that old, but a couple of years behind her. And we watched her be interviewed. And we watched her be asked embarrassing questions about her virginity. Not even embarrassing, I'm sorry, inappropriate questions about her virginity, about having a boyfriend. I mean, being asked about a boyfriend on Star Search, which is grim, um, when she was like eight or nine, whatever age she was. And just from a very young age, being defined by her sexuality and being hypersexualized. So we saw that, we internalized that anyway, in different ways, I think, for both of us about what it meant to be a woman and certainly what it meant to be turning into a woman about how you had to be quite sexual, how you had to have this kind of a body, how you had to present your sexuality in this way. Be the virgin, but be the sexy one. Don't be the slut, but always be sexual. So there's always these kind of competing narratives of what it takes to be a palatable woman, right? Especially a girl that's turning into a woman. 
I know that watching the documentary, hearing hearing the conversations that are happening about it, it makes me feel complicit in a lot of what has happened to her because we got trained really well. We, from a very young age, were taught the foundational lessons of the patriarchy and the foundational premise of systemic oppression, not just of women, but obviously of anyone that wasn't a white male, right? So we all were raised within that construct. Now, looking back on it with the eyes that I have, which is I am a mother now and I'm disgusted by what I've seen, but also looking back on it as a grown woman and recognizing in Brittany's situation our own really convoluted and hypersexualized childhood mm. and how you are condemned for that sexualization the second that you try to take ownership of it. Now, right. That's true. For me, I feel like this has a direct tie into the corporate world as well. And Jenny, you and I have spoken about this, and I know this is something that you wanted to speak about anyway. Yep. And the most direct tie that I can draw to it is the way in which we dress in the workplace, right? Mm -hmm. So using that Britney theory, and can I just put a little subtext in this this thing that is happening to Britney is not the most important thing that is happening right now there are a million different things that require social activism that require our attention and that require conversations but yes. this particular situation we are giving attention and airtime to because there are comparisons and connections between the continual conversation that we run about the oppression of the of the working woman in the corporate world. And also it has a tie-in socially and politically, right? So just to say that, women in the workplace are continually walking a fine line between dressing inappropriately and dressing appropriately. So we've already spoken about how women in the workplace are asked to dress and present more masculinely, right, in quotes, if they want to get ahead. So my personal experience is that when I started moving up the ranks in construction, I was told but not told that femininity was not welcome there, right? So I cut my hair super short. I did not wear makeup and I definitely never painted my nails or wore lipstick. If I wore anything, it was like a little bit of moisturizer and some mascara or something like that. My clothes were always a rough approximation of Hillary Clinton, right? Like the standard hideous pantsuit, because that is what we do as women. We don't have the same body shape that, I mean, most of us don't have the same body shape as a man does. So we're trying to make our bodies with butts, with boobs, with whatever curvy shape we have or don't have, fit into a very narrow classification of what it is to look professional. And that's when, interesting because I went the complete opposite way. Okay. So but I keep going. What do you mean you went the complete opposite way? Well, I dressed like hyper feminine. Like I always had on a dress and heels and a cardigan and more accessories than I normally wore and like definitely more groomed than I normally would have been outside of work. So there's a couple things that come up for me when you say that. One is that you didn't work in construction yep. because you're not on a filthy building site. So that I get, right? And also I had a really bad experience where I one time wore a skirt to a site and the wind blew my skirt straight up my body and a load of people saw my panties. Oh, so I, I never... Thank God you were wearing panties. I know, right? It was a day. 
It was that one day, and I had them panties on. Um, so I never did that. No, no, again. I'm not trying to disqualify. What no, you're saying. I'm not just saying that like it's interesting that that was your experience. But granted, like is fitting for the maybe. But I think that your experience will resonate with people listening to this because a lot of women do go that way. They yeah. do go hyper feminine, especially in an uber professional environment. In the sense of you worked in New York City, you worked in Manhattan, you were working right. in high rise buildings, you were working in, you know, where you had that whole thing going on. So your professionalism had to present in a different way. Right. Mm -hmm. And I get that totally. So I think I'm talking about something that's quite specific for me because I worked Mm -hmm. in the construction industry now. And didn't you get crap from someone that you worked with that like you had bought a bunch of a certain shirt that was like very expensive. But like when you started working in the office, like you had bought a bunch of one type of shirt and the girl was like, do you own anything other than that? Well, because I worked in trad, I worked in trad construction. So that's traditional construction. That It's very, very boys club. I work in DMB now, which is design and build. That is less boys club, but it is still heavily boys club. So in trad, you literally never saw another woman unless she was making tea taking notes or was doing your hiring or firing. That was when you saw women. So all of the people that worked around me were men in suits. And if I came in in like a dress and a cardigan, they'd be like, can I have a tea? I was wearing a uniform that would allow other people around me without knowing who I was, know that I was there to build and not to do administrative work. Not that there's a problem with that, but that was for me very important because I was consistently fighting these battles going, I'm not your secretary. I'm a project manager, you know? So I was having those conversations anyway. So when I moved, everyone was much more laid back and they're like, don't you not wear a suit ever? I was like, no, no, this is who I am, which was grotesque because I absolutely was not that. All of that to say, now that I am getting older and I genuinely don't give a fuck, it's very freeing for me to just show up in the outfits that I feel like I want to wear. And I can guarantee you that unless I'm seeing a client, I'm in a jumper, aka a sweatshirt and jeans with rips in them and whatever shoes. Because I genuinely don't care anymore in the sense that if someone wants to come to me and say, your clothes are inappropriate, then I'll be like, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you about why my clothes are distracting from my skill. Mm. But when you are in the beginning of your career, when you are working in a hyper corporate environment, that conversation, and Jenny, you'll be able to speak to this much more clearly than I ever can because I don't have that New York City, Manhattan, full on uber professional setting experience that isn't what construction does and you don't usually get involved in that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would love to hear from you about the struggles that you've had about trying to ride that line of how you present so that you're not, going back to Brittany, hypersexualized from the moment you walk in the door, but also feminine enough not to be teased for not presenting more femininely enough, but then also taken seriously, which has a leaning towards being considered one of the guys. It almost seems like those three things cannot exist at the same time. I'm trying to think through, because I, well, a lot is coming up for me with like the, let me talk through this. Part of me wants to say like I was fine with being hypersexualized because I felt like a lot of times that was the only reason I got my job. Okay. And so, but that makes me like hate myself. Okay. But that also makes me sound like I was very insecure in my abilities. But I also knew that most of the bosses that I had were creepy with me. 
Yeah, yeah. So I'm kind. It's kind of pulling up some inner turmoil. I'm sorry, I kind of froze there for a second. But um, I mean, you know, when I I left, I, I worked in finance and then left finance because it wasn't working for me. And when I worked in finance, a lot of the experiences that I had, whether I was wearing a suit or a dress, I I was the the folks that I interacted with made no effort to contain or disguise their sexism. Okay. So it almost didn't matter what you wore. No, no, it, it didn't matter what I wore. Okay. Except when I would not wear the right thing and dad would tell me that I looked like a dyke. Yeah. So, I mean, you've always got that thing hanging over your head, right? So there's that. So I think that um, I was comfortable with being hypersexualized for from a young age, simply just because that's how my life went. And so it wasn't like I, not that it matters, but it wasn't like I wanted to dress in a certain way that would encourage that type of thing. Okay. But I felt like no matter what I did, that's what was going to happen. So it didn't change how I dressed. Okay. I dressed in the way that I felt was professional and I went to work in that way, but I did have two professional experiences where people had a problem with how I dress and asked me to dress more conservatively. So, and I always took it really personally because I wasn't trying to dress unprofessionally. I was just, just dressing how I knew. And I think that that was, there was also like a bit of a difference in translation between New York and Southern California. Um, There was a situation when I had just started my first secretarial job in New York um, after being at a direct level in the finance industry, but I completely tore apart my resume and started over as a secretary because I thought that that's what I needed to do to escape what I had just come from. So I have two starts to my career, which whatever. I remember I had gotten in the office early to set up for a meeting and had to order breakfast for the partners of the firm that I worked at. And as I bent over to sign the check to pay the delivery guy, he took a picture of my chest. Nice. Classy. And I, pre- I pretended like I didn't see it. And then by the time the other there were two of us support staffs for this firm. And by the time the other gal got there to the office, I was like completely hysterical. Okay. And so she called the company, got the guy reprimanded. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows what happened? But in that situation, I blamed myself for maybe wearing, and I was like, oh, you know, I shouldn't have worn, I knew I shouldn't have worn this shirt or this dress or whatever I was wearing because my chest was out. Right. Not like, and I mean, it's not like I was wearing like a G-string and like some pasties to work. I was wearing... I mean, it was New York in the winter, so I was probably wearing a, Jenny, a sweater. Maybe does, look, anyway. But it doesn't matter what you were wearing anyway, because he didn't have permission to take that picture. And he objectified right, you. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of the beginning and the end of that thing with him. He did the wrong thing. He acted inappropriately, but you took the shame on yourself. And it also paralyzed you to right. the fact where someone else had to call and complain about his behavior. I know that right. there will be people listening to this going, oh my gosh, I remember being paralyzed by that. Because in that moment, you do get flooded with you by your conditioning, right? Mm-hmm. I shouldn't have been wearing. Why yes. did I? Why didn't yep. I? I should have done something different. I was asking for it. It's my fault. In some way, that conditioning kicks in. It's the same thing that happens when we talk about rape culture. It's the same thing that happens with the victim shaming, right? Why don't we say to the man, you shouldn't have raped, instead of saying to the woman, you shouldn't have drunk so much. You shouldn't have been wearing a skirt. You shouldn't have been out after 10 o'clock. You shouldn't have been out by yourself. You shouldn't have been walking down that street. You should not have been going home. You should not have taken public transportation. Why? 
why didn't you have enough money for your own taxi? But then you get in a situation where you can get attacked in a taxi. And then mm -hmm. it's like, you shouldn't have been out. You know, there's always a reason why it's a woman's fault. And I think the easiest thing for women to be attacked about in any kind of sense is, why were you wearing that? Because yeah. our clothing is almost really our last autonomous thing, right? Mm -hmm. We go out into the world having chosen the clothes that we're wearing that day. Yeah. And so it's the easiest way to point the finger. Mm -hmm. You chose Well, I mean, to we're taught from, we're, our clothing is policed from such a young age too, right? Yeah. Um, girls yep. are not allowed to wear, I mean, we talked about this last week, the spaghetti yep. straps, the tube yep. tops, the whatever, yep. because of all the things. I remember when I, the day that I reported the sexual harassment, I was wearing a tank top and a skirt and some wedges. It was August in Southern California. It was yeah. hot. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I should I be reporting sexual harassment wearing this outfit? Yeah, but that's a Which, really like, valid. Of course, but it's a but valid. But granted, fear. it was maternity. Yeah. It was maternity clothes too. So it wasn't like I was anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't um, matter. It, you yeah. could have, Jenny, you could have walked in there in any combination of clothes. I was gonna say you yeah. could have walked in there in a bikini, which Fair enough. Maybe you could have done. I'm not going to judge you for going to work in a bikini, but I do think that maybe that wearing swimsuits to the workplace might err on the side of inappropriate. I'm okay with saying that because I don't know that that, depending on your workplace, unless you work as a ski, ins <laughs> uh, ski instructor, that would be even worse. <laughs> unless you work as like, I don't know, stand-up paddleboarder. I've got no idea what you do in your spare time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regardless of that, it is so easy to hypersexualize women and make their choices about the way that they present themselves to the world through clothes as saying something about their character, saying something about their morality. When all it is yeah. saying is that I woke up this morning and I wore a leopard print sweatshirt and some black jeans today. That's how I felt today. By the way, that's one of my most favorite outfits of yours. Thank you. Well, I wear it pretty much every day. So, you know, that's it's, it's easy, girl. It's easy. So, so I think that's really powerful. I really appreciate you talking about that, Jenny. There was a lot of stuff in there that was a little bit triggering for you, and I didn't want to yeah. put you on the spot. Well, I didn't expect to be triggered by this. That's okay. Today, but I really definitely was. So it's interesting. I it's think interesting that's cause really I, important. Yeah. Well, we tell men, well, we tell, we tell people to dress for the job you want, not the job you have. Right. That's like one of those. But where does that cliche. saying come from? I don't know. But isn't it interesting that all that means to a man is like. Wear a fucking suit. Wear a collar. <laughs> yeah. Put a collar on it. And it's like a man. I tuck mean, in I, your shirt. Yeah. Tuck in your. Uh, French tuck in your tan shirt. Oh my gosh, a French tuck like makes everything look better. It's incredible. It's so true. It's French so tuck true. is life changing. But what I was going to say is it is a minefield and we can also like literally we have not spoken about respectability polit politics, but I will mm. say that when we talk about getting dressed for the job that you want, if you are a woman with a natural hairstyle and I'm talking about like an afro or locks mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or even protective hairstyles like box braids, a lot of the time there are still companies that when they see a woman walk in with a natural hairstyle, they immediately, because of their conditioning, because of their inner internalized racism, they see that as not professional. Yeah. So we are grading women for their clothes, for their natural hairstyles, that, that is the way that they exist in the world. 
So how much more oppressed can you be if you can't even walk in the door being yourself? Right. You know? And Jenny, you, okay, we're not going to, we don't need to talk about bodies, but I will just say that you and I, we are not lacking in the bosom department. Okay? Nope. So any, we got some tits. Yeah. <laughs> anything, <laughs> anything we wear. You're going to yeah. see our boobs. Well, and I remember being on the swim team when I was when I was oh, young yeah, yeah, and yeah. being like so ashamed because like I was like, oh my God, I'm dressed inappropriately yep. because my chest is so big. But like I was what, what can you 11 do? or 12 yeah. and like what I was wearing do? a bathing suit just like everyone else on the team. So yes. yeah. And this is and this is that thing of where does that saying come from? Because it is very definitely to me in my head that is a man saying to another man, just wear a fucking tie. Yeah. Keep your suit, but put a tie on, and that's all you need to do. Whereas for women, it's a minefield. Yeah. Cover it's funny. your body, but don't yeah. cover it too much. Show us your natural beauty, but don't show us real natural beauty, right? Mm. Keep it so it looks white respectability politics we talked about this before we'll continue to talk about it that term is used like a weapon against any what particularly women in the workplace from BIPOC gamer backgrounds to say you need to whiten your appearance and yeah. sometimes whiten your name the way your mm-hmm. name sounds the way that yeah. you use your name you know so your name's Sharina and people don't want to be able to say Sharina so you got everyone's got to call you Shar or something like that you know yeah. shortening the name so it's easier for other people whereas people yeah. will say Tchaikovsky and it's not a big deal because they've always been taught that and it's part of white culture right white so so called white culture anyway i'm going off a little bit on a tangent but all i wanted to say was that's a stick to hit people with if they do not appear or present whitely in quotes enough in the to be workplace. fair Tchaikovsky is italian and they weren't always white. Tchaikovsky? No. Isn't Tchaikovsky Maybe. Italian? That's Eastern European for sure. Oh, never mind. He was Russian. Okay, and well, he's there super you go. white. Okay, go ahead. So, can we just take a moment and say how right I was? <laughs> for <laughs> You're totally sake. right. Okay. So, um, Austin Cleon, who wrote Steal Like an Artist, 10 Things No One Told You About Being Creative, wrote, You have to dress for the job you want, not the job you have, and you have to start doing the work you want to be doing. I love the second bit, but the first bit sounds very much like, hey, white man, put a tie on and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. And it, isn't it funny that the two industries that we come from, majority of men dress like total slobs? They do. Because, I mean, the amount of yours, bellies, it's a function. Yeah. Yours is like a function because of the work that they're doing. Mine is like, that's totally the, the um, stereotype of the tech guy. So there's more to say about the Britney thing there, but I really just, the thing that kept hitting me was when I was looking at these pictures and looking at all of the the ways that she was presented from a very young age. Yep. Her body, her clothes, her sexuality, they were all so melded together as this thing that was being policed, this thing that was being used as a weapon against her, especially when she became old enough to step into her sexuality fully. And I, and I really felt there was a tie into the corporate world for that, which obviously we have expounded upon. Yeah, no, I mean, it's definitely a minefield. I think I think that the, um, to what's his name's point, this part of the, of the professional landscape is changing, right? Because people yeah. are coming into the office and they yeah. get to, finger quotation marks, hide behind their screen. So you really don't have to be professional from the waist up. But I mean, in that vein, people are still going to get sexually harassed even if through the screen. Oh my so. gosh, of course you are. 
So that doesn't so change even anything. more of like yes, in in the old version of The Office, not not the British or the American version, obviously, which is a great show, but <laughs> just like in general, that old pre-COVID version of The Office, yeah, your clothes really could make you a target. But now, like you said, on a Zoom call, you can still be sexualized. Like mm-hmm. if your breasts show at all, if you're a woman that has boobs and they and there's any shape of them on a call, you can guarantee that people are going to be staring at that and making comments about it thinking they've muted their microphone and they absolutely haven't it's, it was interesting this was this was definitely not where i expected today to go because i was prepared for a whole different conversation how do you how do you feel about how this conversation went i love it because we talked about a couple really important things and i really think that your experience especially you talking about how you felt like you needed to exploit your own sexuality in order to get in order to help yourself i think so many people are going to that's going to resonate with them because i don't think it is self exploitation I think you're doing exactly what you were taught to do. And you're conditioned to do. You exactly, Jenny, which is if you, you dress in this way, you'll yep. get positive reaction. Yes. And so why would that not carry into your professional life? Especially if like they tell you use every tool in your I was in your just gonna say that. Say it. Say it. Use every tool in your arsenal. As a woman, yeah. use every tool you've got. Don't be afraid. And you're an ambitious woman, Jenny. You always have been. You've always had direction. You've always known that you wanted to do more. You're capable of more. So so you are a perfect example of a woman, a girl who turned into a woman, evolved into a woman without having the necessary skills being taught to her about self-respect and also what it is to really be a woman because you cannot learn those things until you fully extricate yourself or begin the process of extricating yourself from the foundational misogyny that forms our social construct and our everyday environment. So you do what you're told with in the framework of what you understand. So you, as a 16, 17, 18, 19-year-old girl, understand that you have a beautiful body, that it is powerful in ways that you can't even begin to understand, but you do understand hypersexuality because it's been happening to you since you were five, six, seven, eight, nine. because that's what we do to girls now. We've always done it to girls. We've always done it. We ask women right. to be mature. No, we ask girls to be mature women 10, 20, 30 years before we ask boys to be men. Mm -hmm. So you have taken the responsibility, you've taken and worn the mantle of a woman long before you had the skill set to actually wear it in the right way. And you went into a corporate environment trying to fire on all cylinders, but it was never going to be the road that you wanted. It was only ever going to be the road that the men around you allowed you to have. Right. And that is what I love about what you've said, because it illustrates it so beautifully. But also I would say that when you did speak, you did sound a little bit guilty or like almost apologetic that you have no. used your sexuality because I don't think that it's anything you have to apologize for. Well, and one hundred percent, and I think I was more reacting to not the shame of the action, but okay. the as a forty-one-year-old woman, like, wait a second, why am I feeling so badly? Yeah, about something that's so inconsequential, and the weight of the shame I felt was overwhelming because, like, it was something that I didn't realize I was holding on to. Oh. 
well, then I love that you got to release that because it's absolutely goddamn ridiculous. Yeah, and you know what? Like, there's something that you said, what you just said, which was brilliant and so spot on. And like, I just feel like I had a therapy session. Come to Jesus. It's something about how like I was released into the workplace without self-respect. Therefore, I dressed that way. And which like, isn't how no. I meant it. No, no, no. And and without, I and I without being taught what, I just what wanted, real self-respect was. Well, I just I I just I'm telling you like how I heard it. And, okay. Like, my yeah yeah my first reaction was like if i want to go to fucking work with like a dress that shows my tits like i'm gonna fucking do that yes and if you don't have the self-control to not yes. an animal around me like i'm snapping that's at you your, like, <laughs> you're a drag queen you sorry you your yes. sound you're making your sound go i'm red. so sorry no, like i had to come to jesus moment. if i went into the workplace now yeah i would have fun with what i Good. Because, like, oh, my gosh, I get to leave the house and, like, put on makeup and, like, wear cute stuff. Like, why why waste it on boring clothes? Um, Amen. It just is interesting that, like, wearing things in a way to show a body and then, like, realizing once you get there, oh, gosh, I'm not, I'm not prepared for this attention that I'm getting. I feel like this is negative and I'm scared. And yeah. I know that I went to work that way a lot. But that um, is the thing. The talking about the fear thing. You step into your sexuality as a young woman and you recognize the power that it has but you don't fully understand what that power is about you don't understand that to be in your body as a woman as an autonomous woman can be a really scary thing to men and a lot of men react to that autonomous bold brave fierce sexuality that owning that that beauty of your own feminine body they feel like they have to harm it they feel like they have to desecrate it in some way either by harassment either by making you feel bad about your body like oh I wouldn't have worn that like that's really brave of you to wear that outfit for such a big girl or like whatever men say to try and keep mm. women feeling uncomfortable like oh why did he say like that's ooh, ooh, you know like or a guy taking a picture of your boobs when you lean over like that puts you in check because it scares you because they're yeah. t- they're trying to control your body they're trying to objectify your body when you're just trying to exist in it and so right. you're constantly in this position where you feel like almost dysphoric in your own body because you know that your body means something more than you could ever imagine because it's something men not all men, Jesus, are trying so desperately to oppress and control and hypersexualize from a very, very young age so that the conversations and the existence that you're just trying to have as a woman existing in this world is a dangerous journey. Right. And I mean, the statistic is that one in nine girls under the age of 18 experience sexual abuse or assault at the hands of an adult. Oh my God. Um, Of course. um, I'm sorry. Growing up, do you not have all the girls who have, like, 25-year-old boyfriends? Well, there's that. I mean, and that's, like, normalized, right? Or jailbait, totally. that term. Totally. Um, but well, then she's also, there As are... Fuck. I'm sure I could dig a little bit deeper and get even more statistics on how many how many of those one in nine are actual, like, children. So before you're even capable of understanding anything, your sexuality has been used against you because it wasn't sexual. It was someone... They put, put that the, sexuality and, on you. On you when you were just a child. Yeah. You know, I had a great 
gymnastics coach, I loved him. And when I was 10, he told me that he would wait for me if he wasn't married. Gross. Like, so deeply gross. Because mm-hmm. I was in a leotard every day around him. Yeah. He was touching my body every day. Yeah. He never did anything to me physically. Yes, he did. He touched your body every day. But physically, he... Yeah, no, you're right. I'm going to let that one lie. No, you have to. (laughs) I mean, I was was sexually assaulted when I was one or two by a neighbor. Um, and like I blocked out most of it, but I mean, there, those are two, like we're, you know, so there's seven more of you ladies listening. Like let's round out that or yeah. I guess it's one in nine. So never yeah. mind. We got, we got two don't, of 18. Here, don't worry about them right? maths. <laughs> don't worry about them. Yeah. So much math. I don't understand. Um, no, but I would say that those numbers are probably even, it's probably even more. No, oh, honey, it's so much more. It's so, so much more. But I mean, you and I were both children when that happened. Little children. Yeah. And we were forced to know about something that wasn't appropriate yeah, at the time. Absolutely. And it was put on us to take the responsibility of that. It absolutely was. I appreciate you being open enough to talk about that thank you for sharing yeah, something of course that's so deeply triggering well yours is bad wrong. too honey like yours is just as bad i've been thinking about it for so long jenny mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's lost its luster oh no it still shines brightly in my mind <laughs> but i would just say I mean, like yeah it, i think it's i think the older i get the more i understand what was done to me and that it truly was done to me right you know right. and had yeah. no and had no buy-in from myself and so I think just to tie this all in really neatly yeah. I think that that is what gets triggered when I watch this Britney stuff. Yeah. Is she did not have a full grasp. She was not firing on all cylinders as a woman yet. She was raised onto a platform of this angelic slut, right? Yeah. She's untouchable. Well, Jessica Simpson too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like Christina Aguilera, Aaliyah... My God, she was involved. Aaliyah was involved with R. Kelly. She was married to him, wasn't she? Yeah. So there's so much that happens to these very young women on the path, on a very dangerous path, whether you're famous or not. The path. I'm sorry, I'm going to stop you. They're young girls. Okay, what did I say? You said young women. I just want to be really careful of that because, you know, there's the issue of, like, with rape culture talking about, like, mm-hmm. they engaged in sexual activity no, when she was no, only no. nine. And it's like, no, he fucking raped her. Yeah. Like, there, there is no, like, there is no engaging. And then, and then there's, you know, those cases where the judge says, well, she knew what she was doing. She's, like, 12 or 13. And it's like, are you fucking kidding me? No, you, you don't. antiquated fucking fuck. All the fuck. Sorry. But what I was going to say. That was my little Boondock Saints moment. I love it. I only got two bucks into the sentence. I haven't watched that movie in a really long time. I need to watch it again. But what I was going to say was these, and thank you for that catch because it's a really good catch. These young girls are on that really dangerous path of evolving into a young woman. And it is a dangerous path because it is beset beset on all sides by hypersexualization, rape culture, all of the misogynistic things that we put on women, we put on girls and women about having the responsibility for controlling their environment totally. Controlling the people that come into their environment. Controlling the way that those people interact with them. So that there is never any responsibility put on anyone 
that comes into that space other than themselves. What were you wearing? Why did you tempt him? You looked at him in a certain way. You asked for it. You knew what you were doing. Yep. Yeah, the asking for it thing. It's problematic. It's beyond problematic. <laughs> it's know. fucking rape culture I know. shit. And and the thing about young girls that are in that are placed into the, you know, the public eye is they're sexualized, they're hypersexualized by the people that are meant to like protect, protect them. them. But they have to take responsibility for the weight of what's been placed upon them. And then it's very interesting what you said earlier about like the second that they try to step into their sexuality and take control of it to be in control of what has been done to them. And plus, there's nothing wrong with sexuality. And the no. women are taught so much shame revolving around sexuality. Yeah. Yep. But the second that women try to take responsibility for sexuality, you're they're condemned for immediately. It. Yeah, they're the whore. Right? Yeah. You're the virgin, the mother, or the crone, right? That's all we get to be. That no, those are those well, we get to be a lot of other things. We get to be the whore, the slut, the charlatan. Yeah, but as an acceptable woman. Right. You're either a virgin, a mother, or a crone. You're you're either a young girl who's never been touched, right? Never been defiled by a man's touch, which says more about a fucking man than it says about anybody else. A mother, which obviously is the ultimate. You've been touched. (laughs) Yes, the ultimate you've been touched. So much touching. And then the crone, you know, you're just worn out from all that touching. You just turn into a back bones and a pile of dust. You're touched, touched. You're touched out. Or then then you're the other side and you're the whore. Whore meaning sex work, meaning that you are doing something that men are engaging in, but only you bear the stain of it. Whore meaning you you behave in a way that's not acceptable to... You engage in promiscuous yeah. activity. You engage in se- you you fully engage in your sexuality, and you are condemned for that. Mm-hmm. I love this episode. This is my most favorite one so far. <laughs> really? Yeah, because I've learned a lot, and also I feel like I get my I get why this Britney thing is so triggering for me. Mm, I hate it. It's giving me chest pains. I think you should drink that out. It's Valentine's Day. <laughs> Drink your pain I don't think I have anything. I don't think I have anything left. Oh, Jenny. I know. Well, so on that depressing note, Jenny, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about? I want to say that we are so appreciative of everyone that's following us on Instagram and everyone that is like commenting on things and sending us notes. We would love it if you shared the podcast with your friends and anyone could benefit from this because we want to continue to grow it, even though we're kind of starting to focus a little bit more on the book and the content that we're putting out. But the more folks that we get listening, the more chance that we'll be able to keep this going absolutely because we would like to we would like to keep going and actually maybe start opening up to interview people and highlight different activists work because I think this is just such a great platform. And we so have permission, people that we have listen, permission to be on this platform as well. We do have permission. Yeah. So, you know, the more people that listen, the more chance we have of, of achieving that that goal, which is kind of our next our next goal for the work that we're doing. I did want to mention that the um, impeachment trial just happened in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump was acquitted and it's bullshit. So just in case you thought you were going to get away without like delving into our liberal politics, not that this whole episode wasn't that, but I just want to say to anyone that's like feeling defeated or disappointed or whatever, I think there's still hope if you do research, it looks like he can potentially be tried criminally now. Fantastic. Um, so there's that. It's a sad, it's a sad day in a lot of ways because that hasn't gone through. I think most people knew it was going to be a little of a stretch. It was 17 Republicans that had to cross the line, right? 
Yeah, plus, and you know what? I can have a backbone and, and a, let's move like a on moral now. compass. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's get him out of, like, let's let, let's kind of let the new policies take, let's just keep moving forward. And I know that for a lot of people, a lot of people really kind of took it to heart because such a terrible thing happened in the United States on the 6th. And it, it really kind of fucked with a lot of people. And I just want to say, we kind of knew that this was going to happen. So let's just move forward into yeah. like a more joyful, more celebratory period. I think numbers are going down um, around the world definitely here and, and here as well so great um you know let's just let's just I, i'm super hopeful for the future i'm super i feel very positively about the work that lisa and i are doing and like the the strides we're going to make this year with this work and um we hope that you are all feeling um hopeful for the future as well because i think this is going to be i think the sun's going to come back in into our lives so. fingers crossed bitch love yeah. you Brittany. Brittany bitch. Mm-hmm. Brittany bitch. Okay. Well, we look forward to love hearing light. from you guys. And love, light, and good night. Good night.